Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Is ready to begin. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Before I turn the call over, I need to advise that certain statements made during this call today may contain forward-looking information and actual results could differ from the conclusions or projections in that forward-looking information, which include, but are not limited to, statements with respect to the estimation of mineral reserves and resources, the timing and amount of estimated future production, cost of production, capital expenditures, future metal prices, and the cost and timing of the development of new projects. For a complete discussion of the risks, uncertainties, and factors which may lead to actual financial results and performance being different from the estimates contained in the forward-looking statements, please refer to Yamana's press release issued yesterday announcing second quarter 2020 results as well as the management's discussion and analysis for the same period and other regulatory filings in Canada and the United States United States I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded and will be available for replay today at 12 p.m. Eastern Time replay information and the presentation slides accompanying this conference call and webcast are available on Yamana's website at yamana.com. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Daniel Racine, President and CEO. Thank you, Operator. Thank you all for joining us and welcome to our second quarter conference call. With me today is Jason LeBlanc, our CFO. It has only been a few months since the emergence of COVID-19 though it feels longer. The pandemic has changed our lives, and while there is no doubt that we will go get through this, the uncertainty created by the virus has not been easy for anyone, including our employees and contractors. But our people have persevered and done an, an outstanding job through the first half of the year. So I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our employees and contractors for their remarkable dedication commitment, professionalism, and compassion. I'm proud to be your CEO. While COVID-19 remained prevalent in Latin America, we have the full support of our employees and host communities to continue operating. We are grateful for this support and do not, do not take it for granted. We have implemented strict protocols and precaution at our operation to protect the health and safety of our employees, contractors, and communities. Physical distancing, use of PPE, enhanced cleaning and disinfecting, enhanced screening procedures, and a rapid contact tracing protocol are just some of the measures we've implemented to contain the risk of infection. I should note out that in Chile, where we operate two mines, the infection rate is declining and some businesses are starting to reopen. While there is some concern about around mining in the country, this is primarily in re relation to the copper industry where some companies have experienced high rate of infection. In the town of Jacobina in northeastern Brazil, the number of cases is limited and on the decline. We have from the earliest stage of the pandemic 
been supporting our host communities in the fight against COVID-19, providing various donations along with critical equipment and supplies. We will continue to work closely with our community partner to understand their need and do everything we can to support them through this challenging period. Turning now to our safety performance, our total recordable injury frequency rate in Q2 was 0.38. That compares to 0.6 in the second quarter of 2019. During the quarter, Canadian Malartic reached a collaboration agreement with four nearby Anishinaabe First Nations communities, setting out measures to increase training, job and business opportunities, and environmental protection. Both Cerro Moro and Canadian Malartic resumed mining activities in April, following temporary suspension due to government restriction related to COVID-19. The ramp-up at Canadian Malartic progressed faster than expected, with mill throughput in May and June exceeding 60,000 tons per day. Daily throughput in May of nearly 64,000 tons was a record for the operation, a remarkable achievement considering that it occurred on the eve of a suspension. At Cerro Moro, interprovincial travel restrictions resulted in a reduced workforce in the second quarter, extending the length of the ramp-up. The operation is implementing new initiatives to improve efficiency and production, including optimizing mine sequencing, improvement to drill and blast procedure, and a review of the mine design to lower cost and accelerate development of high-grade zones. This initiative will provide long-term benefit to Cerro Moro that far outweighed in the short-term impact of the travel restriction. We delivered strong operational and financial resort results during the quarter. Gold production 164, 141 ounces was driven by exceptional performances from Jacobina, El Peñon, Minera Florida, and Canadian Malartic, which all exceeded their target production. Silver production of 2 million ounces reflect, reflect a strong performance from El Peñon. While the price of gold which hit a nine-year high this week, is contributing to our strong financial results. The price of silver is also up sharply in recent months and bringing upside to our margin and cash flows. Geo production of 183, 582 ounces was in line with plan, while cash costs and all-in sustaining costs of 715 per geo and 1,125 per geo, respectively, were better than planned despite the GEO ratio being higher at 105.14 than guidance of 98.85. Costs were positively impacted in the quarter by foreign exchange movements. Adjusted net earning of 63.3 million or 7 cents per share, while cash flow before net change in working capital came at 118.1 million. When normalized for costs associated with COVID-19, Cash flow from operating activities before net change in working capital were 137.3 million. Net free cash flow during the quarter was 60.3 million or 41.1 million without normalizing for the impact of the temporary suspension, standby, and other incremental COVID-19 related costs. Despite these impacts, gross margin and free cash flow on a per geo basis 
increase in Q2 over Q1. Yesterday, we announced that we are increasing our annual dividend by a further 12% to $0.07 cents per share. It is the fourth increase to our dividend announced in the past year for a cumulative increase of 250%. We will continue to take a gradual and progressive approach to dividend increases as our cash balances continue to grow from rising cash flows and successful initiatives to monetize our portfolio of non-producing assets and financial instrument. At the new annual dividend rate, the dividend paid will be above $70 per GEO, in line with our target of between $50 and $100 per GEO. We reiterate our 2020 guidance for 890,000 GEO, which is comprised of 786,000 ounces of gold and 10.25 million ounces of silver. Our all-in sustaining cost guidance for the second half of the year is for 1,020 and between 1,020 and 1,060 per geo. Production is already tracking ahead of guidance, with Q4 expected to be an exceptionally strong quarter on both production and cost. As a result, we are evaluating an increase to current production guidance. We are also reaffirming our 2021 and 2022 outlook for production of 1 million geo in each of those years. Gold production, as you can see, will be slightly higher in 2022 at 885,000 ounces compared to 873,000 ounces in 2021, while silver production will be at 11 million ounces next year, dipping to 10 million ounces in 2022. Turning out to our operational result by mine, Jacobina posted its sixth consecutive quarter of record-setting gold production at 45,646 ounces. The record production reflects higher grade and increased throughput, which averaged 6,850 tons per day, well above the phase one target of 6,500 tons per day. El Peñon delivered another strong quarter with both gold and silver production higher than planned, primarily due to processing higher grade ore. As mentioned, the ramp up at Canadian Malartic progressed faster than expected. While the ramp up at Cerro Moro was steady, despite the impact of travel restriction in Argentina. Production at Cerro Moro in June was almost 50% higher than in May. Production at Minera Florida in Q2 was better than planned benefiting for higher grade, higher feed grade and increased ton process, largely due to continuing improvement in productivity. As mentioned, our overall production is tracking ahead of guidance and expected to be more heavily weighted towards the second half, in line with annual trend with Q4 our highest production lowest cost quarter. I will also add that we now expect second half to be higher than the 54% weighting that we had previously forecasting. There were a number of positive catalysts during the quarter. We delivered significant exploration update that support mine life extension at Jacobina and El Peñon. We also provided an update on the phase two, the phase two Jacobina expansion plan, announcing robust project economics. A few key highlights as a reminder. The plan has a modest capital cost estimated at $57 million 
using a conservative exchange rate of 4 Brazilian real to 1 US dollar. I would note that that capital is tracking closer to $50 million based on the current exchange rate. $1.7 billion in cash flow in the first 10 years under the expected extended case scenario, assuming a gold price of 1,550 per ounces and the same conservative exchange of 4 to 1. Average gold production of 230,000 ounces per year at an average feed grade of 2.4 grams per ton, a 31% increase compared to the phase one rate of 175,000 ounces per year. We are now doing a, a backfill study for a 2,000 ton per day plan. We are studying two options. First option is an hydraulic backfill plan that will cost between seven and $10 million. The pace and a pace fill plan as a second option between 15 and $20 million. We have both options very well studied right now, and it's leaning towards the hydraulic fill, again, between seven and $10 million. We, would have, we will complete the study in the second half of this year and come back with, with the decision and more precise number in the coming quarters. During the quarter, we also announced an option agreement on the Suyai project. The agreement with consultors, assess management, a privately held portfolio management, and capital market in Argentina. It is an important step that we believe will advance ESG matter related to the project. At Canadian Molartic, we have authorized the construction of surface infrastructure and exploration ramp into Odyssey and East Malartic. With governmental approval already in hand, construction of the surface infrastructure and portal in preparation for development of the ramp is expected to begin in August of 2020, with a budget of $6 million for the remainder of the year on a 50% basis. The ramp development should start in Q4. Once complete, the new ramp will allow us to carry out a bulk sample of up to 40,000 tons of ore. We advanced the integration of Agorica with Alumbrera to create the significantly de-risk Agorica Alumbrera integrated project. We also continue to advance the permitting and feasibility study for this long-life, low-capital-intensity project. We completed internal studies for the advancement of Monument Bay as a high-grade underground project and developed a plan for exploration of significant downplunge extension and satellite areas. You may have seen our release earlier this week announcing our intention to list on the main market of the London Stock Exchange. We are in the advanced stage of the listing process and expect to begin trading in the next few months. A London listing will improve our liquidity and expand our share register in a large underserved market for pure gold play players with assets in the Americas. Our goal is to become the investment of choice in, on the LSE for those looking for exposure of gold equities in the UK and Europe. And we believe our raise, rising ca cash flow and dividend profile, high quality asset portfolio, and strong balance sheet will help us achieve this objective. I should also note that we, not, do, we do not intend to raise equity capital in conjunction with the LSE listing. During the quarter, we have also completed the sale of the royalty portfolio for total consideration at closing at 64.2 million, including a 13% in nomad royalty. 
no matter the strong balance, a strong base of growth mandate, and it is already beginning to generate value for us due to share price appreciation that takes the value of our stake to 102.6 million as of July 22nd, compared to 64.2 million when the transaction closed in late May. Finally, we completed the sale of 12 million units of Waconux gold for gross proceeds of 120 million with a unit structure that expected to generate an additional 81 million for total proceeds of over 200 million. I will now turn it over to Jason to discuss the financial. Thank you, Daniel, and good morning, everyone. Turning now to our financial performance. Revenue in the quarter was $303.4 million, compared to $463.5 million in the same period last year. Aside from the inclusion of Shepada in last year's results, we also had the impact of COVID on our sales levels during Q2, mostly from mines that had temporary suspensions during the quarter. But as Daniel mentioned, those impacts are largely behind us as Malarctic had a very quick ramp up and Sarah Morrow had a steady performance since Q2. Higher year-on-year G&A expenses reflect an $11.8 million increase in historical stock-based compensation from the increase in the company's share price during Q2. On a cash basis, however, G&A expenses were $14.6 million during the quarter in line with plan and lower than the $17.9 million in the second quarter of 2019. Earnings during the quarter of nil per share were impacted by a number of items, including $19.2 million in COVID-related costs that I'll talk about more in a moment. On an adjusted basis, net earnings were $0.07 per share compared to $0.02 per share a year earlier. One of the other impacts from COVID has been an underspending on planned capital during Q2. In future quarters, capital will increase more in line with the values you see here for 2019. So that's just over 40 million of sustaining capital per quarter and 20 million of expansionary capital per quarter for each of Q3 and Q4. This ties to our revised guidance for the year. The same is true for our expiration spending. For the full year, we expected $64 million of capitalized expiration and we spent 23 million year to date. So that leaves about $20 million per quarter for the balance of the year. We also guided $20 million of expiration expenses for the year and have spent about $5 million to date. So that's about $7 million per quarter remaining for Q3 and Q4. Beyond our regular expiration program in years past, we announced an additional generative expiration program earlier this year to advance our pipeline of prospective projects, mainly in Canada and Brazil. This primarily includes the Monument Bay and Domain Properties in Manitoba and the La Rovea, Bobarema, Ivolandia, and Jacobina Norte properties in Brazil. As we've said, our objective, objective is within the next three years to increase, to increase at least one resource base from our general program to 1.5 million ounces, which would represent the next mine in our portfolio. Quarterly cash flow performance continues to reflect the impact of strong production and gold prices, with cash flows from operating activities of $118.1 million during the quarter. Normalized for the 19.2 million in outflows associated with COVID-19, cash flows on the same basis would have been $137.3 million. Free cash flow before dividends and debt repayments during the quarter was $38.3 million and marked our fifth consecutive quarter of positive free cash flow generation. We also reduced our net debt during the quarter by a further $101 million to $768 million. During the quarter, we brought $120 million in Treasury from the sale of Equinox Gold units, which consisted of one common share of Equinox owned by the company 
and one half warrant with each full warrant exercisable into a further Equinox share at 1350 per share until January 2021. As of today, the warrants were in the money, and if all the warrants are exercised, that represents about $81 million Canadian. In addition to this likely warrant exercise, we also hold a further 1.2 million shares of Equinox, valued at just under $20 million Canadian as well. As Daniel mentioned, we added $10 million in cash to Treasury from our sale of our royalty portfolio during the quarter. In addition to that upfront cash, we also hold Nomad shares in deferred consideration worth over $90 million as of today. Finally, in June, we were paid $100 million of the $200 million borrowed in March on our revolving credit facility as a precautionary measure due to the uncertainty around the global pandemic. We expect to repay the remaining $100 million by the end of the year. From a balance sheet perspective, you should expect to see a steady reduction in our already low debt levels quarter by quarter. As mentioned, we incurred $19.2 million of COVID-related costs during the quarter. These can be broken down into two categories as follows. Temporary suspension and standby costs, which include costs associated with placing certain mines in care and maintenance, the subsequent ramp-up of those operations, and the underutilization of labour and contractors in relation to our pre-COVID mine plans. And incremental costs resulting from COVID-19, including community support, additional PPE, higher transport costs, and overtime costs resulting from lower headcount levels at site to accommodate social distancing. You can see this, the breakdown by site and by category on this slide. We expect the temporary suspension and standby costs to be minimized for the balance of the year as the mines return to full production levels. The incremental costs are also expected to decrease prospectively over the rest of the year, but this will ultimately be dependent on the path of the COVID virus. Despite the impact of the pandemic in Q2, our free cash flow, gross margin, and all-in sustaining margin per GEO were all higher in the quarter compared to Q1. This sets us up for a strong second half from a margin perspective, as we expect lower unit costs for the balance of the year, with the kicker that the gold price per ounce is about uh, $200 per ounce higher than than Q2. So So both will positively impact the margins you see here. As well, our production will increase sequentially over Q3 and Q4, so that higher margin will apply to more units as well. And with that, I'll turn the call back over to Daniel. Thanks, Jason. In closing, I'll come back to my remark at the end of Q1 call and double down on them. We believe our business may be be in a better position than it has ever been. The temporary headwind at Cerro Moro Notwithstanding, our operations are executive exceptionally well, and we head into the stronger second half of the year. Our net debt continues to decline, and cash flow continues to rise, giving us the financial flexibility to advance our organic growth opportunities while further increasing shareholder returns. And despite the gain in our share price in recent months, we believe we are in the early days of the cycle that our share remains undervalued relative to our peers, and that considerable and sustainable upside remains. And with that, we'll be happy to take your question. Operator? Thank you, Mr. Racine. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. 
please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. And the first question is from Fahad Tariq from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, on Sarah Morrill, can you talk about the plans to increase throughput in the second half of the year and how we should be thinking about that? It sounds like grades will improve um, from the underground mines, but maybe just talk about throughput and some of the efficiencies that you're seeing with the lower workforce. Thanks. Uh, good morning, Fad. Good question. So, yeah, we see, well, first, an increase in throughput. You know, we were quite affected by travel restriction in Q2. Uh, it's getting better in, in Q3, and hopefully it will be almost back to normal in Q4. Uh, that's the first thing. Grade will effectively increase quite a lot in the uh, in the Q3 and uh, Q4 compared to Q2 and Q1, and it's mostly what I said during the uh, the, the presentation is the uh, the area where we're developing right now with limited workforce, but where we're developing with higher grade zone, uh, both on the on the underground and the on the open pit. So we see. A lot better second half for Cerro Moro compared to the the first half, especially Q2 was uh, really affected by uh, uh, travel restriction. Okay, and and just as a quick follow up, what what percentage of the workforce was there in July? Um, I think it was like forty eight percent in June. But what, where where are you now in July? We're around between seventy and eighty percent. It depends on the shift. It will increase because we had also cap, uh, limited you know, capacity because of COVID-19. We have to respect social distancing. So where before we had you know, uh, two people per room, now we're limited to only one. So we had to add some, uh, some room capacity at the, camp, at the camp. We're doing that right now. So this is why we're very confident and into Q3 and Q4 that that will increase. Okay, great. That, that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Ralph Profitti from 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, Daniel, on, on Jacobina Phase 2 timeline, um, you know, what's your estimate on how long you foresee running at the Phase 1 optimized rate before uh, you know, start thinking about optimization. I, I'm just wondering how much we should think about the decision trigger being uh, the feasibility study. Uh, good morning, Raf. Uh, good question. Uh, you know, the, the timeline is quite clear for us at uh, at Jacobina. We have to complete the feasibility study, so we have the pre-fees. We already know that phase one is achieving a lot better than the 6,500 tons per day. Uh, for the first two quarter, we achieve above uh, that. So. I'm sure you can all assume that uh, this year production from Jacobina will be higher than what we uh, guide in. It will be probably closer to the run rate of phase one we announced before. So we're going to run at that level for the next uh, two years because we're going to make the decision after completed the feasibility study early next year. Then we have to order equipment. Uh, we have to go to the permitting. As you all know, we have already applied for the permit of 10,500 tons per day at uh, Jacobina. So we're in that process uh, completing the feasibility study right now. So by this time next year, we will have made the decision to go ahead or not go ahead with phase two. That phase two 
The construction will take 18 months, so by the end of 2022, so early 2023, we would be at the new uh, rate level. Is it going to be 8,500 tons per day? This is what we're going to see. What will be phase one, real phase one? Uh, you know, we did 60 over 6,800 tons per day in Q2, so we'll see in Q3, Q4, probably Q1 next year, and that that will guide us to what will be the new tonnage for phase uh, two. Is it 85 or above 85? We have to see uh, what will happen in the next uh, next few months. So that's our timeline by second quarter next year made the decision to go ahead and then we're going to run at the actual phase one until phase two uh, construction is completed by the end of 2022. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, on the backfill, maybe to add, Ralph, on the yeah. backfill, that might arrive sooner uh, because backfill is a lot easier to, uh, as a process to do at the mill. Uh, especially if we go with hydraulic fill, we know it's only cycloning the tailings to separate the uh, the coarser ore or coarser waste to send underground on the tailings. So that project uh, we're doing this the, the study right now will be completed in this second half, and then we might decide to go sooner for that one because it's going to bring extra ounces to the mill that we're living in pillars right now that we can recover uh, with the, the backfill plan. Yeah, that's clear. Yeah. Um, maybe for Jason on, on the dividend reserves, um, with the stronger outlook for free cash flows, right, coming from not only operations but stronger gold and silver prices, how much more work needs to be done on the balance sheet before kind of notionally where you're, you are, where you're, where you want to be? Hey, thanks, uh, Ralph. Good morning. Uh, great, great question. As you, as you know, that was a concept we introduced. Uh, I guess about a year ago, you know, we wanted to get to, get to a point where we could backstop, you know, three years of our, our of our dividends with cash uh, set aside on our balance sheet aside from the from the day to day needs. So we've been steadily progressing, you know, towards that with free cash flow generation, monetization of some assets, um, with a dividend increase uh, of today. You know, that that three year dividend level is about two hundred million dollars. Is kind of what we're what we're aiming for, if you look at the balance sheet where we sit here today, we're about uh, 325 million of cash on balance sheet. You know, 100 million of that was from uh, the remaining revolver draw. So if you net that off here at 225, you know, we've always run about 100 million dollars of maintenance cash. So that leaves us about 125 uh, otherwise on on balance sheet. So you know, we see the delta between 125 and 200 is kind of the, you know the cash flows we're going to be generating just balance of the year alone, but you know, both Daniel and I talked about it on the call today. We've got uh, Equinox warrants and the money that would, would come into Treasury by December. Very high probability on that right now. That would take us above that level, not to mention uh, other other assets. So I, yeah, I guess the easiest way to say is we feel very strong that we're going to fully backstop that dividend uh, reserve fund uh, over, the, over the balance of the year here. Thank you. The next question is from Josh Wolfson from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, first off, for, for Jack Kubina, you know, looking at that project and, and the capital that's required um, in the context of where gold prices are and, and where the, the, you know, the new dividend level is, it seems like excess cash flow would be still pretty high. So um, you know, knowing that the current permit still allows the 7,500 tons a day, 
you know, why not consider looking at advancing that project uh, at an accelerated rate? Again, just kind of looking at the capital uh, requirements and the gold price today. Good morning, Josh. Uh, good question. Uh, sure, uh, we have the permit to 7,500 tons per day. We're going to push the actual phase one to see uh, to see where we can reach this. Uh, it's completed, but we had already bought some equipment uh, for phase two, uh, mostly on the gravity circuit. So we're looking to install this equipment uh, as we have the permit, like you mentioned, to 75. That might continue to increase. Uh, mostly recovery it's already high but uh, probably uh, throughput also it will be difficult to advance advance more than that because then the permit will uh, we have to wait for it and then to the construction of phase two uh, there's so much we can do you know we have to order a mill we have to have the right size of the mill for that we have to to, to complete the feasibility study we have to look at the crushing also capacity and that that takes some lead time, uh, long lead time to order this this equipment. So you can bet that we're going to try to push close to that uh, above 7,000 at least for now, and see how close we can get to that 75. But to advance phase two faster, uh, we are limited by the permit one and then the ordering of the equipment and installing them. Okay, thank you. Um, and when you're looking at the the Malartic underground ramp that's that's now been approved, uh, is there any ability to use this ramp for future production? And, and would you be in a position to do that maybe in as early as two years' time? Well, we'll see. We're, we're continuing the study. Sure, the ramp will be an exploration ramp, but at the same time, a potential production ramp. And then I already mentioned that our permit gave us the uh, the option to do 40,000 ton of, of uh, box samples. So, uh, you can bet we're going to go uh, drive the ramp, go see the three zones, the East Gold, the East Malartic, and, and Odyssey during the, the next uh, couple of years of developing uh, that ramp. The ramp will start in, in Q4, like I mentioned. Uh, right now we're doing, you know, uh, overburden excavation. We have then to blast a couple of rounds in the portal, install the portal, uh, take a, a few more rounds, and then uh, continue to fully... Uh, uh, put the portal ready for the excavation. It will start in the fall uh, or uh, in, in the, the winter, so we have to be ready for that. It will take at least two years to develop that ramp to be ready. So, yeah, there's potential that some of the production might come in 2023-2024. Uh, uh, We're not there yet. We're studying. First priority is to drive that ramp and drill from underground. So with that we mentioned it will open a big, big opportunity to drill over 40,000 meters from underground, and it will uh, be a lot cheaper than drill very long hole from the surface. That's the main goal right now: is to go underground, establish, uh, you know, diamond drill bay to drill the East Gold the deposit that it's growing all the time uh, from from the underground. Got it. And maybe one last question: looking at the um, the London listing. Um, you know, which is, uh, I guess, a bit of a surprise, uh, and you would be, you know, you'd have an advantage, I guess, being one of the first uh, North American companies there. You know, what, what do you see as being uh, either underappreciated or not properly appreciated uh, with the current listings that the second that the secondary listing would be able to, um, uh, you know, to, to surface value from? Well, we're very happy with the two listing we have here in in, in Canada and the U.S. But we have quite a lot of shareholders coming from the UK, 
and Europe, and then we spoke with them about about this, and also our board of director, the director, lead in, lead by our our executive chairman Peter. They've just, we've discussed about this now for a long period of time. We have spoke with people, and it makes sense. Uh, we got we got told by our actual shareholder and potential uh, shareholder in in the UK, and some of them, as you might know, can't own shares of of companies if they're not listed in the in the country in in UK. So that's another advantage. It will bring you know uh, many funds and then and people that are not invested in in, in the business or in gold uh, to invest in in Yamana. And then, like you said. Uh, we will be one of the first uh, major company to list there, and then we had very positive comments since we we did the announcement, and then before that with uh, our actual shareholders, and then the people we've met in the past few months uh, in in London. Great, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Jonathan Tui from Berenberg. Please go ahead. Yes, thank thank you very much, guys. Um, and congratulations on a good quarter. Just a question around um, the restrictions in in Argentina and and, and Brazil. Um, have you got any sort of timelines from the government in the government in, in in Argentina around how restrictions will be eased and what's your expectation um, over the next quarter and a half for return to sort of full operations there? And in terms of Brazil, obviously the, the COVID situation seems to be bad or even worse than it was previously there. Um, have you had any sort of official communications around uh, greater restrictions being imposed and what, what costs do you, should we assume for temporary suspension and standby costs and other COVID costs for, for the next quarter and the second half? Uh, good morning or good afternoon, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, uh, for if I start with Argentina. So Argentina, we think, you know, travel restriction will stay for the, the rest of the year. Uh, uh, we, we will be able to bring more people as we will have more uh, camp capacity, but uh, we assume that it, it, it will continue to improve, but travel restriction will uh, will stay in place probably, for, at least for Q3 and probably Q4, so we don't anticipate that it's going to get worse and probably get better, but if not, then we, we know what we will be able to do with the the people we're bringing more and more people each, uh, each shift change we're doing uh, we're quite good in the process right now that we need the permit for all the employees each 14 days we're doing a shift change and it's getting better and better and then we uh, we even move some of our employees from other provinces the problem is, is to move from other provinces to Santa Cruz and as we mentioned many times over 30 percent of our manpower is becoming from is coming from outside of Santa Cruz, and some of uh, these people have key roles at the mine on blasting and stuff like that. So we even move uh, people uh, temporarily with their family in Santa Cruz, in Puerto de Ciado, to make sure that that travel restriction is not becoming a, a bigger issue in the, the future. So we only see an improvement uh, going forward in Argentina. On Brazil, you know, Brazil is like Canada, U.S., any other country. There's provinces, and then it depends where you are in Brazil. So if you go to uh, Sao Paulo, or, uh, cities like that, the infection rate is high. But you go to Bahia, where we are, it's really low. And then you can look at the statistic. It is very low. 
And in the town of Jacobina, where we are, we had only a couple of cases, and then they came from outside of the town, where the town is quite still a big town of, of 80,000 people living there. It's been limited. We had no cases at the mine. So, so business is running. There's basically almost no impact. Uh, the small impact you, you saw on COVID for Jacobina is this uh, some restriction, like I said, case from outside, but people that needed to come to the site that couldn't come, that generate some, some of the some cost. But on Jacobina, you can assume that from now on there will be no cost. We don't see anything going uh, bad in Brazil for, for Jacobina. Like I said, where we are, it's a remote location. And no issues, and then that's the state of Bahia also has no problem. It's more where you have big community, big cities, that it seems to be your bigger issues. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Richard Hatch from Berenberg. Please go ahead. Thanks very much, and uh, yeah, good morning, and, and uh, congrats on a good quarter and a high dividend. Um, I've got two questions. The first one is just on Agrarica Alambrera, um, just with regards to the feasibility study, um, which comes next year. Um, just, I think the last PFS capex was around the 2.4 billion number, and um, would you just be able to just to talk around any opportunities to sort of either reduce that, or how do you feel about that number? Is there any any sort of risk to that? And then the second one is um, it's just on the, on the potential for increased uh, production into the second half and that beat on your guidance. I think you've talked about how Soramora, you'd expect the throughput and better grades to, to come through and also Jacobina benefiting from throughput as well. Is, is there anything else worth kind of dragging out of, of that where we can expect to see either a, a nudge up in grades just as, as we look at the, uh, the next couple of quarters? Thanks. Good morning, good good afternoon, Richard. Uh, good question. The first one of uh, on Agorica, yeah, we mentioned on the pre-fee study, it was for $2.4 billion. Our group led by Gerardo Fernandez, uh, who was the, the leader for the company on that, that study. That study, the fee study, will be completed uh, late next year. As you know, we had delays because of COVID-19 uh, regarding that and also being able to do some drilling on the... Uh, on the and on the, the the project, but we got the permit now, so work should start soon. Uh, we have identified many opportunities with the pre-fee study, and then we think the uh, we'll see. I can't say it will be for sure less than 2.4 billion dollar, but we have already increased the reserve resources at, at site uh, by mining, so that will be a plus for the project. There was a lot of opportunities to reduce costs on the conveyor, on the tailing, on the mill, on different areas. So, so we'll see when the final number comes. But yes, there are opportunities to reduce that uh, that capex. As you know, we own 56% of that uh, capex. We'll see what will happen in 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 the future. On the second half uh, guidance, we said, and I said many times during the presentation that I'm confident that we're going to do better than what we guide in April. It's just right now we need to take the time to properly assess what it will be. Sure, Cerro Moro, I was clear just a few minutes ago, it will get better, but it will still be challenging. So don't expect that Cerro Moro will achieve the guidance that we set in April, even achieve that guidance will probably be lower. 
but all the others, uh, you saw Q2, I mentioned that all four of the other operations did a lot better, even Minera Florida, where we were expecting to be just on budget, because there was some restriction there from traveling to people from outside of Alloway, where the, the mine is, the town, all the other town around, we have employees, they couldn't come to work, now they can't. So it was, uh, it happened during the, the end of the second quarter, they were allowed to come back to work. So despite there was some, you know, travel restriction, the mine achieved way better than planned. The big difference, I think, in the second half, where we will see an increase in guidance, it's all these four mines, especially Canadian Malartic, I should mention, because we did the first shutdown. We mentioned in April that we uh, we allocated about eight to ten days uh, for the uh, the shutdown at uh, at Malartic uh, to 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 happen because of restriction again on the amount of people we were able to uh, to bring at the uh, the site. The first uh, shutdown we did in, in July, so early this month, went a lot better than planned also. So we gained approximately two to three days of production. So assuming around the six to seven days of shutdown instead of 10. So that brings another two to three days more per quarter of production for Canadian Malartic. And then as I mentioned many times, Malartic is producing about between 1,500 to 2,000 ounces per day. So uh, that will help the production at Malartic. Jacobina, you, like I mentioned before, because of tonnage, and the grade was also better than planned on, in Q2, and then we're assuming Q3 and Q4 will probably be the same, so Jacobina will produce more. El Pinion, outstanding two quarters, Q1 and Q2, so we're assuming that it will be uh, better, and then, then Florida should be uh, also a bit better, but similar to what we've seen, achieving at least the guidance for the year. So if, if three are above what we said in April, uh, Florida about the same, Cerro uh, Moro a bit lower, then globally we should be higher. It's too early to say a number, but like you, you can feel in my voice and what I'm saying, we're very confident that will be better. So we'll come this quarter in Q3. Uh, we won't wait until the end of the quarter uh, to put a new guidance, so stay tuned as we will announce in the coming weeks a revised guidance for uh, for Yamana for the rest of the, the year, both on production and on cost. We already mentioned that the cost will be lower. Uh, we established a target already, but we'll come with the production. Cool. Thanks, Daniel. And if I, that's, that's really good, good to hear. Um, if I could just ask one follow-up in, in two parts, sorry about this. Uh, first one's just on the Equinox um, potential to sell those shares. Just, can you just remind us on the, um, on the tax um, impact on that one? Uh, and then secondly, just on the, on the working capital, um, just the, the build in the second quarter, uh, should we um, just expect to see any, any kind of flow back of cash from the working capital movements into the second half? Jason? Yeah, sure. Richard, why don't I address those the two questions uh, there? I guess on the, on the Equinox, pretty straightforward. Um, no, no, not tax, uh, not, no tax impact on on those uh, monetizations. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, we've got shelter at, at a corporate level for those uh, for those sales. And um, as, I, as I said, it's got a uh, an expiry date on the, those warrants in in January. It's uh, you know. Like two dollars uh, in, in the money right now from a probability, probability perspective. You know, I probably tag that at about a 
75% probability if you work through the math from an option perspective. So high high probability of those, that cash is, is going to come into Treasury. And it's not just the um, that $81 million. Uh, we, we do also hold a residual Equinox position worth about $20 million as well. So some significant uh, value uh, there. From a, a working capital perspective, yeah, I think it was, um, you know, if we would have looked back to the start of the year, we would have been flat in Q2. So, again, another COVID impact of the first uh, – you know, just very straightforward with the reduction in, in overall mining activity. Everything slows down, and you're basically not, you know, turning over your invoices as fast as you're you're paying them. So that's the primary impact here. We just saw that outflow, and then similar effects from from Q1 in terms of um, speeding up AP to suppliers, building up inventories over the balance of the year. You know, I, I'll I'll become conservative and say it's going to be a flat flat profile over over the balance of the year. Great answer. Thanks, you. Thanks, you, Tom. Thank you. And the last question is from Jackie Przbalowski from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks very much for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, follow up on the question Josh asked earlier on Malarctic Underground. Uh, Daniel, you said uh, you said that maybe um, you know production could come as early as 2023 or 2024. Um, if the ramp isn't finished um, full fully. Uh, constructed until 2022 are, are you talking about basically just uh, production from that exploration ramp for a couple of years um, while you're looking at other options like a shaft is that sort of the way you you guys are thinking about developing um, underground right now good morning Jackie thank you for the question good question yeah like uh, I mentioned the, the main target right now is to drive the ramp for exploration sure we can use the ramp in future we were studying that right now what we can do, as you all know, for East Goldie, we're going to need a shaft. Uh, so that will take a few years to do the study for that, then, then order the equipment, start the shaft sinking. The biggest advantage of the ramp also after exploration will be to use that ramp to, to raise the shaft instead of sinking a shaft. Uh, as many of you probably know, raising a shaft is a lot less costly, a lot more efficient, than, than sinking a shaft. So that will be a purpose in the future. This is what we're studying. The uh, the underground production, if it starts in 2023 and 24, we don't know yet. Like I said, we're doing the study, but for sure, if we have the ramp developed, we have access to these zones, why not mining some of them? The production will be a lot smaller than a shaft for sure, but any tons that you can come from underground will be a better grade than the, the open pit. Uh, we're studying also potential open other open pit on surface. Uh, we have huge lands property. We had some success on, on exploration on surface. We're studying old areas where there was mining before. So there's so many things going on right now with, with Malarctic that can change in the future. Uh, we're focused on driving that ramp down, probably use it at some point uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, to produce from underground. Uh, there's no really need because the the open pit can supply the mill for the next seven years. But anything's coming from underground underground can extend the the mine life of the the open pit. So this is all in the study. Uh, this is very good potential to to use it and do it. And assuming what we know from us and our partner, if there's potential to bring higher grade ore on surface at low at at at, at good cost, we we're going to evaluate this and then at the right time to do it. So 
this quarter and next quarter, we're going to continue the study, the pretty well-advanced study that our group in Malartic is doing, our technical service. We're quite impressed by the job they're doing at the, the mine. Uh, we mentioned already uh, before, and then we hope this quarter we're going to come with uh, an exploration update at Malartic that will show a growing of uh, resources at, at East Goldie, and that will be put into our PA study done internally and then help us to make decisions. So don't be surprised before the end of this year or with the release of the year end that we come with a very good plan on how we're going to develop the underground mine, how we are planning to go mine underground, what will be the timing for for everything. Okay, that sounds great. So I guess when you're when you're looking at designing the exploration ramp, uh, you've got all of this in mind. So where the ramp should go in order to help facilitate things like uh, raising the shaft in the future. It's sort of all part of the design, eh? It, yes. It's all okay. part of the, the design. So so like I said before to Josh, we have already started the excavation of overburden. So we know exactly when the, where the ramp portal uh, will be. Uh, in the next few months, this is what we're going to do, prepare the portal, install trailers on surface, uh, we, we we got lucky there. Our partner uh, just closed a mine last year, uh, Veza, uh, not Veza, but Lapa. So we they, we will be able to use the surface infrastructure they had there to install at uh, the, uh, the 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 project uh, to go underground. So so this has already started as soon as it was approved. The mine was waiting for the approval from the partners to go ahead and do it. So uh, there. They're moving fast, and then again, the ramp will start in, in Q4, and then I'm, sh I'm sure it's going to go well in advance pretty good in in, uh, in the coming months. And, and if I could just maybe ask one other um, really quick one sort of on the same topic. You just mentioned that there's, there's a lot of information that you're hoping to put out uh, either later this year or with the Q4 earnings results. In the MD&A, you say uh, there's a further update in the third quarter. So is that something, do you expect something um, in in the intermediate, I guess, time frame to, to put out something a little shorter uh, and then a more extensive update, uh, like you mentioned, uh, a little bit later this year or, or early next year? Is that sort of the, the idea on yeah, your flow? I think in, in, in the short term, it will be exploration, so success on exploration. And, you know, we got news, we, we told news September last year uh, when we announced the discovery, we came back in February with uh, an increase uh, resources on East Goldie. As you all know, we, we closed for the announcement of the resources in February. We had to close the drilling in October. So we drilled from November up to now. So we have a lot more uh, information on, on East Goldie as we have drilled for the past you know, uh, nine months. So so this will be the main the main topic is... is the increase in resources at East Goldie, it, it's its quite impressive with the new drilling. We have extended the zone on many directions. Uh, we have, our target is to bring some of this into, uh, you know, uh, uh, indicated resources uh, by the uh, the end of uh, this year also. So the, the news will be mostly focused on exploration, but also giving some detail on our plan on short shorter term. So what is our plan with the ramps in the next uh, couple of years, and then and then maybe indicate the type of, of uh, shaft 
and stuff like that. But this, the full study won't be completed, but we'll have a, a pretty good idea. So this is the interim, probably, announcement. Then with the Q4 result in February, uh, we'll see what our partner, what we can say more. We, we know already that we're going to release higher resources and, and probably even some indicated. So uh, that will come in, in, uh, in February and in April next year. Perfect. Thanks so much for the color. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. And the last question is from Tanya Jacobis connect from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Great. Good morning, everybody. Um, just wanted to ask uh, Daniel and Jason, um, just on your, your dividend policy, you have that um, 50 to to $100 per gold equivalent ounce that you would like to, to pay out. What do you need to see to increase that level? Well, good morning, Tanya. Uh, good question. Uh, you see, it's all related to that, uh, that reserve fund. So we have built now uh, that reserve fund to be able to pay that $0.07 cents, uh, per share. This is how we see it with, with increased cash flow from the operation. Sure, also with the increase in, in, in metal prices, that brings more cash flow than anticipated. So that reserve fund is building, and it is building, and we know quite well the capital that we will need to spend. It's very small at Jacobina. We know roughly what it will be in Malartic in the next uh, seven years, and then the big capital will be even not that big for the two companies when we split the two together. So. We, this is how we, we manage it. We know what we don't have any debt repayment until uh, 2022. So we Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.